Hey guys, what is going on? Good afternoon. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. This is the GAR Capital official podcast on the Anchor app. I am your host, Carlos Garcia, the founder and CEO of GAR Capital. Thanks so much for stopping by today for our latest episode of the podcast. I believe we're now in episode seven. And this podcast is sponsored by GAR Capital Direct. Dot com is proud to and committed to offering a variety of products that are the highest quality, the highest variety of types and styles, the lowest prices, and the best customer service. Go up today to the store and get an extra 35% off. We have a new promo cut up there. Some really cool stuff for Valentine's Day, and we got some crypto wear and some uh, neat stuff. Absolutely some neat stuff to uh, take care of your loved ones for Valentine's Day. So check us out, jrcapitaldirect.com. Let's go ahead and get started with the podcast. All right, welcome aboard. Well then, a pretty, pretty, uh, let's say, interesting week, (laughs) to say the least, uh, in the stock market. So today's episode, we're going to talk about the stock market and the crash, flash crash, 2018, is is the fun over? Did the music stop? Did we run out of chairs? What exactly happened? Well, let's just go ahead and talk about what happened on Friday. Friday, as you know, last week was the Super Bowl of earnings that came out. We had Amazon, we had Apple, we have Microsoft, we have Google, we have Facebook. Uh, tons of report of, of corporate earnings that came out. And uh, for the most part, they were pretty strong. Uh, they were very, very strong across the board. Good earnings, good reporting, uh, just across the board, good guidance. And looking at that, you would think, well, this this economy is still going to hum. Non-farm payrolls beat, uh, wages strong coming up. I mean, you would think there's nothing really to complain about. Uh, Netflix, you know, this was last week. Netflix had a 33% year-over-year revenue growth. Stellar subgrowth and guidance. Facebook, revenue growth 47%. Uh, doing great. The only thing is that they had a reduced viewing time. Microsoft, year over year, 12%. Uh, the cloud, again, cloud place play and LinkedIn, both did great. Stock went down. Facebook went up. Netflix went up. Alibaba, 56% revenue growth. They even announced a 33% stake in Ant Financial. The stock goes down. Amazon, 38% year over year growth. New hit, new all time high. Profit and sales across the board, green. Amazing. Up, up, up. Alphabet, formerly known as Google, 24% year-over-year in growth, down, the stock went down, it got hammered. Uh, Google went down about 5.38%, rising traffic and acquisition costs, and of course, Apple, which reported a 13% year-over-year growth. The iPhone X, where everyone was freaking out about, that no one was buying, was still their best-selling product every single month of the quarter. It was a number one selling smartphone uh, for uh, in the United States for the holiday season. So again, it's still doing great. So again, fundamentally, the market is still doing great. I mean, in a sense, the companies are doing well. Uh, but again, they're just, they're just kicking butt. And Apple went down 4.38% and officially in correction territory. So I would say if I had to talk about this market is that the market is still strong. But again, you're going to have to hit a blip here and there. If you look at a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, just in general, 
you know, Dow Jones, um, industrial average across the board. If you want to take a look at TradingView, uh, you can always pause this podcast if you listen to on the phone or listen to on your uh, on your device, your computer, what have you. You can t- you can type in Dow 30. Uh, you can bring up a chart on the Dow Jones Industrial Average on TradingView. And TradingView is one of the great tools that you have. It's free of charge. You can take a look at anything you need to look at. And that's a really good way to compare. And it's free charting. Uh, looking at it a year, year growth on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, um, it's just up, 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 up since 2009, the bottom. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more you could say about it. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous how we've gone from the bottom of 2009 at 7,000 all the way to 25,521. Uh, if you look at the, uh, at the, um, excuse me, at the Dow Jones Industrial Average increase from 2009 now to 2018. Now, people say, are we at a top? I mean, I'm looking here at a monthly chart. So, I mean, that's the that's the longest chart I can add uh, on this. Uh, so the biggest the biggest uh, chart I could look at. I mean, I can go back all the way to '94. Uh, again, it's an all time high. I mean, even from the '80s. I mean, you have you have blips from the uh, '90 the 2002 crash uh, fall to the 2007 fall, and then it's just been bouncing, bouncing. Now you're probably saying to yourself, okay, so is this the start of something different? Let's just keep in perspective how much it has grown. Again, stocks do go down, guys. It's not, uh, <laughs> it doesn't just go up forever. I mean, I think we got some new investors out there that don't have a sense of context when it comes to how much stocks move up and down. It's just, just what it is. So I want to do uh, exactly a little bit of a perspective here. The milestones of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Biggest point losses in history. Uh, the largest point loss we've ever had in history, uh, this was the sixth largest fall, which was 665 points. Uh, we opened this Friday morning. Okay, we're just, let's call it Black Friday if you want to call it that. Uh, a really tough day in the market. Um, even though earnings were strong, Apple was actually up very strong in pre-market, and then it just turned red, and the whole market just went red. Uh, all Dow components were down. I think the only thing that was green was Amazon. <laughs> Amazon, you just couldn't stop it. It was up like 7% uh, for the day, and then it got down to 5%. So 2018, which was February 2nd, uh, we closed at 25,520, down 665 points, is only a only a, uh, a fall of 2.5%, which is, in context, not a huge move, but it's a move. If you want to know what's the largest drop in history of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, it is September 29th, 2008, which was the day that Lehman Brothers, I believe, collapsed and filed for bankruptcy. Didn't have a bailout. So 777 points was then. But again, the close on that day was less than half of the Dow Jones currently, 10,365. So again, let's have a little bit of context. That is the largest point drop in the Dow Jones in its history ever, which was 778 points, 77 points. I thought we would test those limits on Friday. I really thought so. I'm like, well, we're going to fall there. We're going to fall there. So again, that's point-wise. In regards to percentage-wise, we're not even in the top 20 of big losses in Dow Jones history. The, the largest point loss in history was Black, uh, was the uh, Black Monday crash in 1987. That was a 508-point move, down 22%. The worst stay in, in history of, of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. 
which we're going to consider the broader market because it's the blue chip stocks. That was the worst percentage they lost. We don't have any data of 2000, not even the last 10 years of that much of a fall. The most recent worst day in the Dow Jones history was 733 points, 2008, which was uh, October 15, 2008, 733 points down 7.87%. That was the worst day in our history, uh, I mean, recent history. But pretty funny, I want to see how volatile, and here's another perspective here. The fifth largest point gain was two days earlier, October 13, 2008, which was 936 points to the upside, 11%. That's actually the largest gain in history. So again, just two days back and forth of largest gain, smallest gain. So again, we don't want to say that this is the start of a top because we've already seen, we've already shown the biggest moves. Again, the 13th of, of October, 936 points to the upside. The 15th of October, 733 points to the downside. Put those two together, it's only a rise of 200 points, which is still a great day. But again, you're starting to see context. Again, this isn't the end of the world. Again, it looked really ugly. Of course, it could be many issues. Let's go over a couple of issues of why the markets fell the way they did. Number one, the 10-year bond notes. Again, I, I always tell you guys every morning where the 10-year note is, how many basis points it went up. And again, it's the most important number because it is, it's the most important number in regards to bonds because it is the most guaranteed AAA government bond. It's protected by the U.S. government, meaning it's guaranteed. Fine. So what is that? Why does it affect everything? Well, again, remember, guys, bonds and yields. Yields is how much it pays, the interest, and bonds is the price. Bond prices and yields, they move inverse, meaning opposite of each other. So if bond yields rise, that means people are selling bonds. And if yields fall, people are buying bonds. So let me give you an example. If you want protection in your portfolio, usually bonds are kind of the safe money, let's just say, because you get interest payments, you're basically lending money to somebody. The government, 10 year note is basically you're lending the government for 10 years, X amount of dollars. And you pretty much guarantee those payments because we print money. It's just what it is. So if people are buying those bonds and they really, really want protection, that's usually an indicator of a bear market or a weaker market because people are not going to buy stocks, they're buying bonds. So it's kind of inverse. It's kind of funny how that works. So if you're buying bonds, the price, the yield, meaning the interest, goes down because they don't need to compete in the open market with other bonds which is what you hear, AAA, AA, junk bonds, corporate bonds. Now, if the rate falls, I mean, people are demanding bonds. They're buying bonds. So if rates are rising, people are selling off bonds, meaning they don't want them. They're not buying them. So the interest rate has to go up in order to compete, to get new money in, to get more borrowing in. So what does that do? Corporate bonds have to raise their rates to compete against the U.S. Treasury. So it costs corporations more to borrow money. Pretty simple enough, right? The thing is that now, if you have more, more of a cost to borrow money, that hurts your bottom line because it's going to have interest payments now. The 10-year bond is important too because that's how we base our mortgage rates is the 10-year bond. Higher the mortgage, higher the bond, 
either the yield, the yield of the bond, the more mortgage rates go up, either fixed or not, or adjustable, whatever, but fixed. Fixed rates are based on that because the bank is going to charge you the X, which is the 10-year bond, plus their interest, which is their margin, to lend you money. They're not going to lend you money cheaper than the 10-year note because they could just borrow at, from the government at a 10-year note with, with a lot less risk because you could default. The government doesn't default ever. It will never default because they just keep printing money. So now you know why it's so important. Government bonds have to price their way based on the 10-year bond. So again, if rates go up, it costs companies more money to borrow. Simple enough. Why are the bonds going up? Why are the rates going up? Well, again, the country is getting stronger economically. Don't ever confuse, guys, and it's very important to, to make this point. Don't confuse the stock market with economic health. Remember, the stock market is based on one thing, prices. It's just pricing. It's just the pricing of companies. Pricing is not indicative of value. Value is based on the individual or the hedge fund or investment bank, whoever. But again, value is what you perceive it to be. The price is not indicative of value. It isn't because then if that's the case, we'd have a lot more iPhone X buyers. A lot of people had sticker shock with iPhone X, correct? You've heard those stories about $1,000. I'm not paying $1,000 for a phone. But if it was $500, you probably have more buyers. Maybe they think that it's a better value of $500. But $1,000 is a little, a little steep, let's just say, a little steep for most consumers. So, again, the stock market is just pricing of companies. It's just prices. Again, what you find value in is your definition of value. What you think is valuable. What Warren Buffett thinks is value. What Bill Ackman, what whoever investor thinks a value is of a certain company. So if you want to say, is Apple worth today $160 a share? You can literally either buy a share of Apple stock or the ear pods that they have. I think it's around 150 bucks, 160 dollars. Which to you provides more value? Headphones, earphones, or the company's stock that pays a dividend? That's up to you. <laughs> That's really up to you. Does price to you indicative of value? That's the age-old question because a lot of buy and hold investors like a Warren Buffett, to them, Coca-Cola, which is pretty weak in the Dow, to him it doesn't matter what the price is because to him it's a still a value because it provides shareholder value, meaning they have strong management, they provide a strong dividend, and they're still trucking along. Like Coca-Cola is not going to go anywhere. People still consume the product. They may not be aggressively growing like an Amazon or a biotech company, but again, you don't need growth all the time to consider yourself valuable. There's utilities that don't grow, but they pay a strong dividend. Again, it's not all about growth. Remember, there's two, two different types of investing. There's cash flow investing, dividend investing, or you have growth investing, capital growth, uh, capital return, capital gains. So again, it depends on you as an investor, what do you consider value? Pretty simple enough, right? So what does that mean with bonds? Why are bonds so, why are bonds so important to the market? Again, you're starting to see the cost of borrowing rising. Now you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average on a weekly, on a yearly chart. I'm looking at it right now on, on, uh, on TradingView. What you're seeing here since 2009 till just recently, maybe last year, 2016 maybe, we've had literally financial engineering from the Federal Reserve and central banks worldwide. It's called quantitative easing. It was so popular 
we had two of them. <laughs> we did it twice. In order to prop up the market, in order to boost investing, to boost inv capital investment, to boost hiring, to boost growth, the Federal Reserve itself, the entity, bought bonds. What happens if you start buying bonds? Again, like we said, rates go down. So it's cheaper for banks and companies to lend money or to borrow money. Remember, who has access to the Federal Reserve discount window, meaning lending or prime lending, meaning the cheapest money you can get? Literally, rates were almost at 1%. So Citigroup or Goldman Sachs or Bank of America can borrow money at 1%, billions and billions of dollars at 1%, and get you a credit card charging you 25%. 26% or lend it to prime companies like ExxonMobil with great credit ratings or Johnson & Johnson or Microsoft and lend them cash at a very, very low rate, which is maybe 3%, 2%, depending on how much they could do more loans. Again, debt and consu consumption and loans, that's what fuels this economy for better or worse. It just does. So again, the Federal Reserve has been doing this for almost 10 years. They've been buying bonds, buying bonds, keeping rates low. It's just what it is. So if you want to take a look at 10-year bond yield history, let's take a look at that. I go to investing.com, and I typed in 10-year bond history, bond yield history. So I can look here at a monthly time frame. So I'm looking at here, literally, from March 2016 was 1.77%. 1 that was historical data. I'm going to bring it up here to, say, 2008, 2007, when it goes really to where we were. 2007, in March, our interest rates were 4.64%. Let me say that one more time, 4.64%. And we were literally closing in on the recession around 2008, correct? So again, 2007, we would say 2007 was a pretty strong year for the, for the economy. Like, we pretty much hit the top. Right now, right now, guys, 10-year bond yield at the moment is 2.841. It's still very low, still low in comparison to other booming times. 4.648, March 2007. We even got as high as 5% June, June uh, 2007. It only fell when the economy took a hit. And we got as low as 2.92 to 2.22 in December 2008, when we really got to the meat of the recession, the meat of when everything was really collapsing. And then we started playing around the threes. And then we got really low in August 2010 to 2.4. And then we just kept going to 2011, where it just really dropped, where everyone started buying more stocks. And then we started getting that move up into Dow Jones. 2011, take a look at that. You'll see the jump from the, from the valley here in 2009 to 2011. Then we soared up. So right around 2011, 2012, and then boom, we got all the way to where we are today. Compare the bond yields then. 2011, fell, fell, July 2011, 2.7. September 2011, 1.91, we were sub two. November 11, 2000, no, excuse me, December 2011, 1.8. We averaged below 2%, literally guys, literally for four years and then it just kept going and then we get six years and now we're in 2018 so again seven years of average of sub two percent interest rates 
Is that sustainable? No. Here's the thing that they got away with it, which is the government. Government got away with this because inflation was so tame. The recession was hit so hard that that uh, gains in, in, in wages and gains in employment was still relatively weak. It took time, but they just kept buying bonds. Again, rates falling, easier to come up, more economic growth. It took some time, but look where we are today. We are now Dow 25,521. We hit a high, I believe, 26.3. I think that was our high in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Is the Now, you're probably saying, Carlos, there's a lot of data here that you're telling us. Tons of data. What does that mean now? I'm not ready to call the top yet. I'm not. We're not there yet. We only had a week, maybe two weeks of weakness. Again, I would always say online, on Instagram, buy the dip and it will rise. And it was true. Not like I was incorrect. We did this for six months. I mean, every dip... In the Dow, we bought, and it worked. It's pretty funny, but it worked. I mean, it was almost too simplistic. It was too easy. I mean, markets are not supposed to work that way, but it worked. And then who are we to to complain? You know, we made money. Twenty six five was the, was the top. Currently, it's the top. That's where we're at. Now, with that being said, is it over for that buy the dip mo? Yes and no. And I'll go ahead and explain why. No, it's not over because, well, we've only had a dip for a week. We've had bigger dips than this. We've had dips, in a sense, before. Gap downs. And they've recovered. Yes, it is over because we haven't seen this much of a fall. And I believe our last chart, I saw the biggest change. We haven't had that big of a fall since 2008, I believe. Ten years ago. So the market really doesn't, well, let's say 2015, we had a 530-point drop, excuse me. Yeah, 2015, I'll say three years, we haven't had a drop this, this heavy, percentage-wise, or even point-wise, excuse me, point-wise. So again, yes and no. You could see two factors here, either the beginning of something, of a, where the party's over, or you could just see the dip, and we'll see we get a little bit of a churn, where you're starting to see dip buyers are like, I want to buy into this market very cheap because it just keeps going up and up and up. So what do you do? I get that all the time. What do you think about the market on Monday? The best thing I could say about the market on Monday is to sit on your hands. You're going to have to pay a little patience. You're going to have to be a little diligent and be to the point of just being patient. We don't know what to expect. The first thing we're going to look at is futures. And the second thing we're going to look at is Japan, uh, an Asian open. We want to see if they're buying, if they're buying stocks at, this, at these levels or are they going to continue to sell off. The one catalyst that kind of scares me, guys, <clears throat> and again, with rates rise, banks are the beneficiary. Financials, XLF, BAC, C, Wells Fargo, JPM. Those guys tend to do well when it comes to rates going up because they make more money lending. <clears throat> Credit cards, car loans, whatever. The Wells Fargo just got hit from the Federal Reserve. Not good. <laughs> they just got it. I'm going to go ahead and read you that. Let me just find the article here. This is a WFC, guys. This is Wells Fargo uh, Company. Get that uh, that article too. I want to. I'm just going to read you. Um, the federal the Federal Reserve cracked down on Wells Fargo. Uh, they cap Wells Fargo's growth, and they're going to they force them to t take get rid of four four um, uh, board of directors. Four. So again, it hurts. It hurts the banking sector. I mean, remember, it does fall as a sector. I mean, basically, Federal Reserve announced on Friday 
this is Jenny Yellen's final directive before she's gone, until the firm improves its governance and controls, they're restricting growth. Unbelievable. Sorry, a little bit of a noise there from the article. But yeah, so how much of a hit it took was the fact that Wells Fargo, big, big bank, uh, probably top four market cap, is just getting restricted by the Federal Reserve saying, you can't grow anymore until you report until the firm improves government control. Get rid of foreign uh, board of directors, which is not exactly easy to do. They're basically saying they're responding to widespread consumer abuses, the fake accounts thing. Wells Fargo is basically a tire fire now. I don't want anything to do with them, and I don't want to touch banks with that. So now what do you do? You say, okay, I can't touch banks either because now the government's really regulating. I thought we had a Republican administration where you know. Too much regulation. Remember that Donald Trump was saying, too much regulation. Well, there's regulation. <laughs> You're getting it now. So now what do you do? How do you protect your portfolio? Well, guys, this is what you do here in this sense. I'm going to look at a couple things. First thing I'm going to look at is something called the VIX, the VIX. This is the volatility index, or people call the fear gauge, where everyone says, this is our fear place. So I'm looking at a daily chart. We had a huge jump from 13.5 to 17.2. 17 was the resistance mark but we were playing at single digits for a long time. I mean, the calmest market you'll see in decades. The highest we've had in the VIX, we had a spike to 50 in 2015, August 24th. Again, that was an outlier. Where we're at, and I'm looking at a, at a weekly chart, guys, on TradingView, you can type in VIX. We are still have a little bit of a breakout here. We can go to 18, heck, even highest 22. The VIX, to me, is a good insurance play. You can buy some calls on them, just to protect, again, cheaper calls, you can do some calls here at 18, maybe 19, if you're an options trader. That's the way to go because you're playing the volatility. So again, if we get some futures run, if we start getting some really to the downside moves, then the VIX would be the play or the way to profit from the big moves in the market. I understand, scary stuff. But again, you just have to take a look at that. Another one too is the SPY, S&P 500. That's another one. You can always short it with puts. I wouldn't short it, meaning short it outright, because again, it's going to cost a lot of money. And you have to borrow those shares. TLT is another one you could use. TLT is, it is up TLT, is playing the government bonds market. Remember we talked about this is the 20-year treasury bonds. And again, it has just been tanking because bonds are selling off. So again, you could always short TLT. TLT, you can always short it. And right now it's at 119.58. The support level is 116. You could always play that to the downside. We got all the way down to support at 2014 at 101 each. This is the ETF. So again, if we start getting some more bonds selling off, you could play that as well. Here's the curious thing about that. If bonds are selling off, doesn't that tell you that the economy is getting better? We're getting more capital investment. Bonuses are going to workers like you've been reading. Wages are going up. Inflation is it's coming up, but not too strong. It's not going crazy. So what gives? What gives? The stock market should be going up, am I correct? What do we say? The stock market is not indicative, indicative of economic health. It just isn't. People think so, but again, it's just prices. And it still works on supply and demand, guys. Buying and selling. So again, main thing here to do when it comes to the market at the moment is to just take a breath, wait for your move. Like a sniper, you need to wait. There's nothing to do now. Don't sell off anything yet. You don't need to. If you made some profit in the market, 20, 30%, take your money. 
that's okay. I've told the same thing with people with crypto in uh, the holidays. I said, take some money off the table. Go, go shopping with your, with your kids, with your family. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. I'm all for that. But again, if you're a long-time holder, if you're saying I'm buying and selling Carlos, this is my retirement account or whatever, I'm buying and holding, this is the time where you're going to have a little Black Friday shopping. But again, you want to go and do something called dollar cost averaging. Buy in blocks. Let's say Apple here 10% off, which is our correction territory. You could buy, let's say you want to buy 20 shares at a time. Let's say I want to buy 100 shares. Carlos, I want to buy 100 shares of Apple. I would buy 25 on Monday, 25 if you get another pullback, 25 if you get another pullback. And if it goes up 1%, then you buy another 25. Again, so you get to your 100 shares that you want to buy. Again, break it up into four blocks of four so you can average out good pricing, good up or down. Again, you want to average out so you can get a better price. If you just buy 100 at one price, it's, it just isn't going to work for you. I, I just wouldn't recommend it. So again, guys, the end of the world is not here. It just looks really bad. We gave you some perspective, exactly how much point falls. Dow Jones, how it's gone, just up, 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 up. It's not going to be up forever. It's just, this is how it works. It does not go forever, guys. Remember, we do get pullbacks. It's a good old-fashioned pullback. And it's just, it's not the end of the world. It just, don't listen to the media about telling you the world's going to end because it's just not, it's just not true. It just is not true. But again, for the most part, take a seat back. Understand that. Everything has an opportunity. If we are in the beginning of a crash, guys, let's just say if we are, let's say we're in the beginning of a recession at this very moment, there's no reason to panic because you can profit very heavily from it. And if we do get there, I, I will be here in a podcast telling you what to do. But this time, I'm just telling you reassurance that the world is not ending. You have opportunities here. The VIX, TLT, to play, SPY too. You can always short the SPY if we get accelerated selling. Those are the three plays I'm looking at right now. But again, if you're looking long term, 10 to 15 years, look at the markets 10 to 15 years. Look at the Dow Jones 10 to 15 years. How much has gained after a pullback, 2008. This could be your opportunity to buy cheap and still hold long term. It's really up to you. And I've always said there were, there's never, ever, ever a dime made panicking. There isn't. It just doesn't exist. All right, guys. So there's our podcast today. Pretty fun stuff. All things considered, people may have lost some money. We had a tough week this week. Of course, you don't make money every week. That's just how it is. But again, just keep it moving. Uh, we appreciate you listening with me, Carlos Garcia. Everyone calls me Uncle G from GAR Capital. Make sure to check us our website. Check us out on our website, GARcapitalFX.com. Our morning and, morning and afternoon notes here to answer any of your questions at any time. And again, Keep it locked here in the podcast. We appreciate all the kind comments. We appreciate uh, the feedback. I know you guys really enjoy the podcast. And again, we do it all for you guys. So, you know, just wanted to re really reiterate the understanding of why things move the way they do. Because you don't get these explanations every day. You don't get it from, from TV heads, talking heads. They don't talk like this. You definitely don't get this in school. It's, it's something that I wanted to explain to you directly on why things the way they move and why bonds are so important and how it affects your daily life too. You know, mortgage mortgages and how financial institutions work behind the scenes and bonds and, and Dow Jones and, and all that. It, it's all almost interconnected. So right now there's no need to panic. We'll see how we open on Monday. I'll watch the futures on, Monday, on this, this evening 
Uh, we'll keep you updated on uh, on Instagram as well, as well. And of course, guys, remember, even if this is the start of a recession, boy, is that an opportunity for us. We got caught in the middle of a bull market, tailing of a bull market, and the start of a bear market, if we are there, oh, there's so many opportunities, guys, for you to make money. You can make money in a good market. You can make money in a bad market. Trust me, you can. People have done it on both. So again, no need to freak out. GAR Capital is here to help. And of course, me, Uncle G, will always keep you guys up to date, as always. All right, guys, thanks so much again, and uh, have a happy and safe Super Bowl Sunday. Eagles and the Patriots today. Good luck to both teams. I hope it's going to be a good game. My prediction there, I'll take the Pats to win. I'm going to pick a score. I'm going to say 28 to 21. New England Patriots win comfortably. 28-21. The Pats beat the Eagles. So there you go. Let's see if my, uh, if my prediction holds. Have a great one, guys, and we'll talk soon. And uh, GAR Capital FX is the site. GAR Capital on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat and Facebook. We'll catch you guys later. Let's have a great week, guys. Thanks so much for stopping by.